Chapter 9, God's will is not a mystery. We have confused God's will for his works. If there is one common question that comes out of the mouth of many followers of Christ, it is this one. What is the will of God for my life? Maybe you have asked this yourself at some point, or maybe you are still asking this very question today. I suggest to us that although this sounds like the right question to be asking, I believe it isn't. This question is back to front to the question we need to be asking, and this question, if not addressed, will ultimately lead us astray from the life that God has for us. The questions that we need to ask are, Father, what is your will? What are the purposes of your heart? What were the reasons you created creation? This is your story, and you have created the characters in the story. What is your will for your people? And how does the story or purpose unfold according to your way? What is the intent of your heart? Jesus said, Father, your will be done, because he knew what the will of his Father was. Did you hear that? Jesus knew what the will of his Father was and how his life aligned or fitted into his will. He knew this because he knew his Father intimately. The role that Christ played and lived out in God's story was discovered through the knowing of his Father's will and not through looking for something completely separate and outside of this. Jesus was able to accomplish his role on earth because he understood the will of his Father. We too will only come to know the authentic role we play on earth as we come to understand the Father's will for his people. Unfortunately, many have been taught in the body of Christ that God has the secret individual will or mission that is just for us and us alone, something that is totally separate from his body. In fact, the secret role he has for you is just for you and you alone. And we need to discover what this is if we are to function and live as his people. We tell people if you discover this incredible individual and independent plan for you and you alone, then you will know the will of God for your life. This type of teaching, which has created particular mindsets, is ripping the body of Christ apart and keeping God's people from becoming the people of God that he longs to see. It keeps us as his people in a state of individualism and independence, seeking out our own individual purpose rather than being interdependent on one another because we are a body and operating as a body coming into his ways and purposes as the body of Christ. It keeps the body of Christ as this malnourished, dysfunctional, mutated, divided and separated organism instead of the people of God being the true representation of Christ on the earth in bodily form because every member understands God's will and their part in his will. We have taken scriptures like Jeremiah 29 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, totally out of context and created a false reality that appeals to our flesh. These types of messages have sent us on a path separate to Christ's, leading us away from the road we are called to run on. It's like being on State Highway 1, and someone comes and leads you off onto State Highway 58, and you never get back on State Highway 1, which is heading true north. Proving God's will. Romans 12.2 teaches us if our minds are renewed, we will prove what the will of God is. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. 
We are not only to know the will of God, but we are to be proving what the will of God is. How come so many followers of Jesus are asking what the will of God is for their lives when as his followers we are to be proving God's will? You cannot prove something you do not know. Notice it doesn't say your mind will be renewed and then you will know what God's will is for you as an individual. It says if your mind is renewed, you will prove what God's will is. Have you noticed from the scripture that we are not to be conformed to the world? The world represents the flesh. We are not to be conformed to the patterns of the flesh. We are to be conformed to the operating system of the spirit. We have all partaken from the tree of good and evil, the flesh. And because of this, we will naturally operate from this operating system unless another operating system comes in and trumps this first operating system. What many followers don't realize is that the flesh is our natural earthly mode of operating. The flesh is an operating system and all our learning and understanding may have come from this operating system. We are born with it, and it lives in us. And as I said, unless a greater operating system enters into us, we will live from it. This is what causes so much confusion, and why we struggle to enter into the life we are promised. Hence, we see the scripture teaching us that we are to be transformed by the renewing of the mind. This renewing of the mind only happens through the power of the Holy Spirit. This whole mindset regarding an individual plan and purpose for our lives that is in no way related or connected to the will of God, nor is it connected to being part of his body, comes from the operating system of the flesh. This is why so many people are still asking the question, what is the will of God for my life, instead of knowing what the will of God is, and proving it to others through their lifestyle and their words. We have confused the works of Christ with the will of God. We think what God will have us accomplish as individuals is his will for us, not realizing these are the spirit-led works he has for us to accomplish. These are the works that he has prepared for us beforehand. The will of God is the same for every single follower of Jesus. The works are different, but the will is the same. All the individual works that God has us accomplish are not standalone works. All the works are preparing us for the same outcome, the will of God. 1 Thessalonians 4, 1-8. Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us instruction as to how to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you excel still more. For you know what commandments we gave you by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion, like the Gentiles who do not know God, and that no man transgress and defraud his brother in the matter, because the Lord is the avenger in all these things just as we also told you before and solemnly warn you. For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. So he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but the God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. 2 Thessalonians 2, 13-14 But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. It was for this he called you through our gospel. 
that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. John 17, 17 to 19. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. Hebrews 12, 14 says, Without the sanctification process happening in our lives, no one will see the Lord. We can see very clearly from these scriptures that the process of sanctification by the Spirit and faith in Jesus defines what God's will is for his people. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 4, 1-8. It literally says that the will of God is our sanctification. It goes on to say that we are to possess our own vessel in sanctification and honor. It says God has called us in sanctification. And it says if we reject this, then we are not rejecting man but God. I'm not sure it gets more serious than rejecting God's will for us. 2 Thessalonians 2, 13-14 says, We have been chosen for salvation through the process of sanctification, and that the sanctification is outworked in us through the Spirit and faith in Jesus Christ. It was for sanctification that we were all called through the gospel message, so we would gain the glory of the Lord. Jesus in John 17, 22, that the glory that he was given by his Father, he had given to his disciples, so that they may be one as God and Jesus were one. Is it becoming clear to us all what God's will is for us as his people? Jesus says to his Father in John 17, 17, to sanctify his disciples in the truth, to wash them in truth. He says, your word is truth. We, as his disciples, are to be washed from the inside out by his truth, his word, himself. Jesus is the word, and Jesus is the truth. And the more we have revealed Christ within us, the more of his glory we partake of and live from. Hebrews 12, 14 says, Without this transformational process, sanctification, occurring in our lives, then no one will see the Lord. Spiritual sight, sight from within, comes from the process of sanctification happening in us through the power of the Spirit and faith in Jesus. Paul prayed that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened so that we would know the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power to those who believe? Ephesians 1, 18 to 19. I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of the, in the inheritance in the saints? What is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. The life sanctification brings. When sanctification is happening in our lives, then we can see from a divine perspective. We will be able to see like he sees. We are able to see, receive, and understand in the Spirit. We will be having our minds renewed by the power of the Spirit, which enables us to see like God. We will have divine perspective because we are looking through a divine lens. And because of this, we will start living completely different. 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18 Therefore we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. 
We will be radically altered through the process of sanctification, God's will, and be able to function and live from the divine reality, the kingdom of God in us. We will find ourselves becoming the very people God is calling us to become and being able to be the manifold wisdom of God on the earth, Ephesians 3.10, so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. We will become the household of God, being a pillar and support of truth, 1 Timothy 3.14-15. I am writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long. But in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. Have you noticed how sanctification takes place within us through the spirit and faith in Jesus Christ? Sanctification doesn't occur through the operating system of the flesh, but through the operating system of the spirit and faith and truth. We receive from the tree of life and not the tree of good and evil. Yes, when Jeremiah declared that the Lord has plans for his people, indeed he does. God's first place priority, his will for his people, is the sanctification of his people through the spirit and faith in Jesus. To say this another way, God's plans and purposes, God's will for his people, is our transformation by the spirit. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 to 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as the Lord, the Spirit. Once again, the sanctificational work of the Spirit is our bridal preparational process. This is what it means to be made ready, becoming the mature bride being one with God and one another, having fellowship with God and one another, and reigning with Christ now and in the future. All these things are the outcome of being on this process of sanctification. The question remains, have we entered into the process of sanctification yet, allowing the will of God to renew our hearts and minds through the power of the sword of the Spirit, His Word, which we receive in us, causing the transformation of you and I as his people? Are you and I proving what God's will is to others through the demonstration of our lives, literally becoming one with the Father, the Son, and with one another? If not, can I strongly urge you to stop what you are doing and seek the Father for this position in him today as the incredible, abundant, and overflowing life in the Spirit that Jesus promises us now and in the future is dependent on it? Unfortunately, so much of God's will for his people has been defined through what we do for Christ rather than who we are becoming in Christ. There are works or assignments for us to accomplish in Christ while we are here on earth, but these works are discovered through our surrender to Christ. All these works are infused and interconnected into the big picture plan that the Father has for his church. They are not separated from the big picture. They are a means towards the big picture. Our failure to surrender to Christ and enter into the sanctification process will have us still asking what God's will is for our lives instead of getting on with proving what it is to others.